When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Um, today's guest, I may butcher your name. I apologize, Coach Plans. I hope I said that right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. I reached out to Coach. He was gracious enough to come on, and I appreciate him. Um, Coach, for anybody that may not know who you are, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. Um, Ron Plans. I'm currently the uh, head football coach up at Lake Zurich High School in uh, Lake Zurich, Illinois. Uh, finished my first season in 2019. Uh, obviously, we haven't had a 2020 season yet, or won't, I guess, uh, as we're slated to kick off in 2021 spring. Uh, fingers crossed that we get to do that. Um, yeah. You know, the – Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, we uh... – it sounds like we will, and then it sounds like we won't, and who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> right. It depends on the week, whether there's, uh, there's excitement for it and, and positivity, or you're just down on the drudges not thinking it's going to happen. Um, you know, I think a, gr a great quote that, that I've been kind of living by um, through all this is, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. So we've kind of taken that approach with, with everything we're doing from a football standpoint, and coaches meetings, player stuff. We've got some contact days in. 
that we got to do during October uh, with weight training, you know, all those kinds of things. That's kind of the mindset we have. It's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity and not be prepared. Right. Like we're prepared to have it, but we got to get through basketball first. That's the first step is what are they going to do with basketball? And that's the crazy thing right now in Illinois. It's a dumpster fire to be nice about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people were surprised um, when they made the announcement or they had the, the two, the two sides, the IHS saying one thing and the, the governor's office saying the other, that the basketball didn't get a chance to get started. I think we all kind of felt like, Hey, basketball will get a chance to go that's going to kind of springboard all the other sports and we'll get we'll kind of transition the spring it's gonna be a weird year but we'll do it um but now you know as we're seeing too there's just a there's a huge outbreak happening too illinois at the time when they made the announcement no basketball everybody's like we're going what, what do you mean no basketball we're fine we're one of the best states out there you know there were a lot of rallies to get football started up before it got too cold um but now we're in the middle of an outbreak again so again it's those are the things you can't control so you just you just prepare the best you can for whatever opportunity comes. Yep. That's all we can do. And we just got to get through it. I guess we don't have a playbook for it. We, and as coaches, they kids look at us like, what are we supposed to do? Well, we don't know. We don't have a playbook. We don't have a plan. <laughs> we're prepared for the next pandemic, I guess, later on down in life, maybe we're prepared. No doubt. No doubt. So I'm always curious how people got into coaching. Cause we all have our own way, our own path. Um, so how in the world did you get into the stressful, rewarding profession of coaching football? Yeah. So, um, when I was a kid, my parents, uh, were really heavily involved in the local, uh, youth sports league. Uh, I grew up in Bensonville, uh, Illinois, which is right next to O'Hare. And the, the youth league was BBAA, Bensonville Boys Athletic Association. And, um, they were responsible for you know, baseball, soccer, football, basketball, all, all the all the youth sports all ran through that organization. And my parents uh, were, were pretty involved in that. My dad was actually had been coaching football in uh, that association long before I was even born. Um, and he, he just loved it and, and was always a part of his life. So as growing up and he would have the coaches over, he, I mean, he was the guy that back in the, the late seventies, early eighties, they had, he, he bought a big, one of those big cameras, the VHS cameras right when they came out. So he could film practices and they could film their games and they could watch stuff. I mean, doing things that people weren't doing at that, at that level of football um, at that time. I mean, now everybody's got huddle I and mean, you can get huddle highlights of your third grade football team going right now, but back then they didn't do that. And so he, he would always have coaches over. They'd be watching film, talking about stuff. I would be the, uh, I guess the gopher, right? I'd bring the, I'd bring the beer, I'd bring the pizza, I'd bring whatever, whatever the coaches needed to watch their film and do their stuff. And I always, always really loved football. I uh, really got into it. <clears throat> I wasn't thinking necessarily about coaching when I got into college. Um, I was going to actually go into sports management. You know, a lot of people have gone that route and, and, you know, so this was the, this was the mid, mid nineties when I, when I went to, when I started college and I thought, I thought really what I was going to do is I was going to, I was going to get into strength and conditioning training. Um, right now, everybody does it. Everybody's a, a guru of this, a guru of that. But back then there wasn't anybody doing that stuff. And I actually had an, uh, the idea um, late nineties, I was going to start a company that would train people for the NFL combine. All right. Had I done that, I'd probably be a millionaire right now. 
I'd probably be, you know, one of those guys with his own ESPN show training people for, cause it, cause nobody was doing that stuff. But I love that. I love that kind of preparation and that, that coaching part I was really into played college football, went to Carthage college, <clears throat> played college football, heading into my senior year, you know, dawns on you that you, you know, you're not going to the NFL. You're not going to play anymore. Football football's about to end in your life. And I was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do without football. I don't know how I can, you know, carry on without football. And I talked with my, my defensive coordinator at the time, John Corsi, and he said, I should think about coaching college because I, I never really, I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't, I didn't want to be a high school teacher. Uh, my dad begged me to do it. Uh, to, you know, get into history, get into something like that, get your teaching license. You know, I have, I have, um, I have some family that does it and, it's, it's, it's good. If you, if you get in early and you, and you put in your time and you know, you can retire nice and there's nice pension. There's all those things that, that people, people get out of it. But I, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. I, you know, probably because my dad told me to do it, you know, but I, I wanted to, I, I wanted, I, I, I want, I didn't want to do that, but the, my college coach said, you know, you should think about college football. You know, you have a good football mind. You, you know, you, you enjoy it. You watch as much film as we do. You should do that. Um, and I had no idea. I didn't know how to do it. Didn't know how to get into it. Didn't even know how it existed. So he said, well, you got to try and find a graduate assistantship and do all that. So I sent out, oh, and I have most of the, the rejection letters, but I sent out about 130 actual letters across the country um, after my senior year finished, just saying, hey, I'm looking for a place to coach, a GA, a volunteer, uh, and anything. Tons of rejection letters. I got some really cool signatures, you know, um, Bobby Bowden. I got, uh, you know, I've got all kinds of, you know, really just cool uh, thanks, but no thanks letters. And I kept them. I, I have actually on a binder uh, that I've kept, but there were a couple of, a couple of yeses. And, and I ended up uh, getting a graduate assistantship at the University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire um, and moving up there. And, and that was exciting. Um, you know, I, I lived in the basement of the head coach's house. Um, I made less money than rent cost. And um, I had to pay for my own school. Um, took out a ton of loans to do it. But I had the absolute time of my life coaching football. Got a chance to do that. Um, in the middle of my uh, first year there, we, we, we had a really good season uh, in the winter. Uh, the head coach had, he had some experience coaching over in Europe. So he uh, suggested I do that. And I, I had zero interest whatsoever in, in going over and coaching in Europe. I wanted to stay there. I wanted to finish my degree. I wanted to become a full-time coach as soon as possible. Um, but without getting into that long story, I ended up over in Vienna, Austria, coaching football um, that spring. And, and that was that was an awesome, awesome experience. So there I am. I'm 22 years old. I turned 23 over there um, and I'm coaching football. Uh, I'm, I'm basically responsible for everything at that young of age. I'm, I'm coaching guys that are 35 years old. You know, the, the, the club system over there um, works similar to to soccer on kind of a tiered scale. But it's really it's it's. They're, the only paid players are the Americans that they bring over. Everybody else pays to play, uh, but it's a kind of a quasi semi-professional type type program, but it's, but it was great. You know, I, I got, I got housing, I got food, I got uh, pay and I got to live in, in Austria for six months. So that was awesome. 
come back uh, to the States in, in the summer, at the end of the summer, get right back into my GA job. And I was going to go back for a second season over in Austria, but uh, the, um, the D coordinator at the time at Eau Claire became the head coach at a college somewhere else. And the head coach at Eau Claire approached me and said, Hey, if you can hustle and finish your degree now, mind you, I'm a semester behind because I, I went overseas. He said, I'll, I think I can hire you full time. So I, I, I didn't go back to Austria. I busted, finished up my degree, got hired full time. Uh, so that was, so my third year coach and I was full time at, uh, at Eau Claire I was there for a year. Um, then got offered an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator at a, at, a, at a school in Indiana called Manchester College. So I went and took that job. Um, and we um, kind of built that thing up. They hadn't won a game in a long well, I hadn't had a winning season in a long time. And we uh, uh, spent five years there. My fifth year there, we went five and five, first non-losing season in, in a long time. And then I ended up going to uh, Minnesota State University where the head coach that was the head coach at Eau Claire was now the head coach at Minnesota State. And he brought me up there, spent five years there, got to coach some tremendous football players. Uh, Adam Thielen, who plays for the uh, Vikings, was on that team, when I, was on the team when I was up there. And then the um, uh, Chris Reed, uh, he's a lineman for the Panthers. He was on that team up there. Just, just good, just awesome, awesome opportunity uh, to go do that. After five years up there, I was fortunate enough to be offered the head job at uh, uh, Elmhurst College. So I took the head job at Elmhurst College, was there for five years. Um, and then when that ended, I was kind of in a, in a you know, what do I want to do? And, and I kind of, college is tough, right? I mean, it's a lot of time away from home. It's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of time that you're not with your family. I've got two young kids. I had some opportunities to stay in the college level, but really, thought, you know, I think it'd be time for me to transition into high school, use that teaching degree that I got that I never actually put to use. Um, and I've uh, been fortunate enough to to end up here at, uh, at Lake Zurich. So it's been good. Yeah, that's a powerhouse up there, isn't it? Lake Zurich, haven't they always been good? I'm not they I'm have. from central Illinois, so I'm trying to figure out who's who. <laughs> right. Yo, no, Lake Zurich's got a, got a really rich tradition. Uh, started with Mike DiMatteo. Uh, back in the early 2000s and um, really got things going. And it's, it's kind of, it went from, from him, uh, Coach Storch, Coach Prophet, um, Coach Mertens, uh, who, I, who I replaced, uh, took him to the state championship game in 2017. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great football town. Um, they, they care about football. They love football. It, you don't find a lot of public schools uh, like Lake Zurich anymore that, that truly love football. I mean, our, our, our stands are packed. Um, we've got currently 150 kids in the program, which is down from what it usually is. But if you um, ask all the other schools around, how are you doing? And we say, well, we got 150 from freshman through senior. They're like, ah, that's, those are pretty good numbers. So we're, we're doing, we're, we're doing well up here. Must be nice to have 150 kids come out for football. <laughs> um, yeah. So what was the big adjustment going from being a head college coach? Now you're a head high school coach. Was there a big transition or, you know, any struggles or anything like that? You know, from a football standpoint, I'm lucky. The coaches here are football guys. They're into it. Um, they love it. They, they want to be football coaches. The players are into it. They love it. They love to be coached. They love to be challenged. They love to be pushed. So the, the football transition has been, has been easy. I just coach the way I've always coached. Um, 
you know, and, 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 and do the best I can there. Um, not having meetings has been different. Uh, you don't have the time to meet like you do at college. So things that you're like, I can fix in a meeting, uh, you don't have that meeting to fix that. So you got to be, you got to be really on top of stuff on the field and correcting that uh, during practice as much as possible. Um, outside of the football department, you know, the, the weirdest thing and what I've always said is that the biggest difference is going from a culture where everybody's uber competitive, right? If you're in, a, in an athletic department at, at a university, um, that place is just pure competition, whether it's the basketball coaches, the soccer coach. I mean, everybody's competing. You're always recruiting. You're always competing against another team, competing against other things. And, you know, you're, you're just driving that competition. High school settings aren't that competitive naturally, right? You get into a, you know, you get into a physical education class. You got some kids that love it. You got some kids that hate it. You know, it's not an ultimate competitive environment. So not always having to, um, or be in a situation where you're competing 24 seven. That was my biggest adjustment. Um, I didn't know any different. I didn't know that that's not how life worked. I've always been in a competitive environment, right? You go right from college into coaching college. I mean, you're, you're competing and you're always competing and that's what matters the most. It's not, not necessarily uh, the, the normal high school environment from a football side competitions there. Everything's what you want from the, the teaching side. You don't always have those competitive people around you. That was the biggest adjustment for me. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to other people that have gone from, there's a coach who's a head coach at Milliken and now he's a head coach at Mount Zion coach Etherton. Yep. No, I I, I coached against him when I was at Charleston and I asked him that his thing was, I said, well, what's it like coming to a high school? And he goes, less stress. He doesn't have to worry about as much. And uh, it's just foot, like, you can just be like, what was the word? Free flowing a little bit. Yeah. He, he's hundred percent right. And, and he was at Milliken when I was at Elmhurst. Uh, we had two years, I think of overlap um, down there. And, He's that that's the other adjustment is what do I do with all this time? Because mm -hmm. I, I, we don't have meetings. We don't have that stuff. You, you, you or the, the, the amount of meetings that we've had. We also don't have recruiting. So I, I'm not I'm not on the phone trying to talk an 18 year old in the in the, in the paying fifty thousand dollars to go down Hearst College. I'm not uh, driving all over or flying all over the country uh, to find people uh, to come. I'm just showing up coaching the guys that, that really want to be there and care about their town and their community. And then when that's over, I get to go home. That's, that's, that's been different. That that's a good, uh, a good difference um, compared to uh, being at the college level. Well, he started coaching tracks. So I think that's what he was doing. He was like, I have to do something else. So he started coaching track too. So I coach football and tracks. So I saw him in football and I saw him in track and there he was you like, know. you're doing this. Um. So what, I always ask uh, division three coaches this, what's a misconception about division three football? Because I have a little small story. When I was at Charleston, you had those kids that were like division one or bust all the time because yeah. it's on TV and it was their senior year. And I said, no, I finally snapped, no offense. If they haven't contacted you yet, it's not going to happen. Sure. Look at division twos, look at division threes. And I tried to explain to them division threes have good football. And some programs have JV levels where they can play JV, move on up. Um, so what's a misconception about, about Division three football? It's good football. 
Yeah, I think the biggest misconception is um, that there's not good players, right? I mean, you've got some really phenomenal football players at that level. Um, you got guys that, that are fast, big, physical. You know, they just may not check all the boxes for a scholarship, right? I might be a, I might be a 5'11", 250-pound road grading center. Right. Well, a 5'11", 250 pound road grading center is not going to get many scholarship opportunities, but they can still go be dominant football players. Um, I think I think that's the biggest misconception. Now, one thing I have noticed, you know, coming to high school. That I didn't realize when I was at Elmhurst or even at, at Minnesota State or uh, which is Division two school. You know, I didn't realize how big of a deal high school football had kind of become. And what I mean by that is the, the, the promotion and the, and the pomp and the, all that stuff that goes into a game day at high school has changed significantly from back when I played. And even when, before we had huddle and we'd have to go watch games and, and do live scouting stuff. Uh, <clears throat> there, I had played, there wasn't one home game here at Lake Zurich that was not just off the chain excitement from a student section, from fans, from, from just a, just an environment. And we didn't have, we, we might have homecoming at Elmhurst that, that hit that kind of excitement. And so I can understand where, you know, division three gets a little bit of that, um, well, why do I, why do I want to go there? I just got done playing in front of 5,000 fans and now I'm going to go play in front of a thousand. Right. So I think, I think that that's a little bit of it, but it also goes to, I don't think kids uh, love football for football as much as they used to. Um, I think, I think they love the attention they get from being on the football team. I think they love the, the, their ability to promote and, and the kids here at Lake Zurich are awesome. We tell them to lift weights, they lift weights. We tell them to sprint, they sprint. They will do everything to make them the best football players they can. But a lot of them don't want to go beyond that. There's a lot of football players from last year's class that I really thought could go be great Division II, Division three football players and have the time of their life like I had playing, you know, Division three football. But they, they're not going to find a, a better environment than – what they had here at most places. They're going to have to go to some special division threes, you know, your, your white waters, um, mountain unions, North centrals places that, and even North central doesn't get the fanfare for as good as they are. They should have way more fans than what they get. Um, they're not going to find that you have to truly love football for what happens between the lines and not care about what happens outside of that uh, to, to go be, uh, a division two, II, division three football player. And I, I, I'd even argue if you're going to go to ball state, if you're going to go to Eastern Illinois, if you're going to go to, um, you know, one of those types of schools, they're not going to pack the house like Penn state and Ohio state does either. So you better, you gotta, you gotta love football. And I, I don't know if, if that love of the game is, is as rich as it used to be. Yeah. Um, when I coached at Charleston, uh, we would play Mattoon, which, you know, was right down the road, about 15 minutes. And it was just called the Coles County Clash. And so we would play in Eastern Stadium. It was really cool. There was more fans at that game 
than an Eastern Illinois game on a Saturday. Like yeah. it was no, it was packed, like no seats left on that one side of their stadium. And if you coach on that side and you're losing, you don't want to turn around and see what's being said to you. Like you <laughs> could just feel it. And it's just, Oh, they're right behind us. And there's 10,000 people like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's, and that's high school. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's the thing that's really, that's really changed. I think. And uh, it's made it hard. You know, it was hard. It was hard at Elmhurst uh, to talk a lot of those good players into, into coming and, and taking a chance and, and, and doing it for the love of the game. And, and, you know, I don't think I'd ever go back to college coaching at any level. I mean, just the amount of transfers, right. I mean, there's all, I mean, just look at your Twitter feed or your ESPN bottom line, how many kids are transferring from this school to that school. And this has happened at, you know, Florida state and Notre Dame and everywhere, right. You put all this time into getting there and trying to build something only to have, you know, guys kind of leave on it it's it's, it's hard it, it, it's a so much work um and everything has to fall right in line and if it doesn't you know you got a bad season and you got a bad season you might have a job and those kind of things all happen and a lot of it's beyond your control um what, what's awesome about being here at lake zurich is you know or at the high school level in general is you've got kids that that are going to be there you kind of have an idea what's what's going on you're not too worried about transfers you just you, you develop, you coach, you, you help them grow. I mean, that, and that's why we all get into coaching anyways, whether it's at college or anything, I, I would think most people aren't doing it for an ego purpose. They're doing it because they want to help kids be the best they can be and grow and turn into great young men and be awesome husbands and fathers and do those things in the future. And, you know, it's hard to do that when um, you're not, you're not, getting to coach kids for four years and, and there's not too many kids that make it through four years at, at college anymore. Um, whether transferring out, not playing anymore, you know, those kinds of things. High school, at least you got an opportunity to impact some lives. Yeah. You kind of answered one of my questions. I was like, would you ever go back to college? And you kind of answered that, like if that was ever an option to go back to coach college, because, you know, some do that, they leave for a little bit, then they go back. Like something draws them back to doing yeah. it. And, I think, you know, you, you never know what the future holds. And I don't think anybody can ever talk in absolutes, but it would, it would, I can't, I can't imagine knowing now what I know of how I can still do what I love to do, which is coach football, impact people's lives without sacrificing my family. Like I had up until this past year, I, I don't, I don't know what would, what would draw me to, to get away from that. I mean, it's definitely not money. I mean, nobody gets into it for money, you know, and I don't really care if people know who I am or know my name, you know, nationally. I'm not, so I'm not in it for ego. Um, I really just love coaching. I love watching those aha moments happen. And, you know, I, I'm having that. I'm getting that. I'm getting that here. And I, I, I feel like I'm at one of the best uh, public schools in the state when it comes to football support. and. You know, I'm, I'm, as we were talking before we started, I, I I'm humbled and, and, and honored to, to be able to still do what I love to do and get paid to do it um, at a place that cares as much as I do. That's the dream, isn't it? That's got to be the dream. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so, um, you know. It's the dream to me. I don't know about anybody else, but, you know, that 
See, I, I'm off topic a little bit, but yeah, that's the dream to coach football, love it, and be at a place that supports it and has a good athletic program and don't worry about anything. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, are we perfect? Absolutely not. Do we have our own issues? Absolutely. Everybody does. But the bottom line is, you know, you've got, we've got kids here that, that, that pour their heart into it and, and they're giving all they've got and you're giving all you got, you're going to have, you're going to have success. Whether it's wins and losses, I don't know, but you're going to have success. You're going to put, you're going to put out great kids. You're going to, um, you're going to make your community proud. You're going to do the, all those things. Um, the winning, it should, should be a byproduct of doing things right. Absolutely. Um, Cause I'm at Addison where we're trying to rebuild that program and a horrible time to rebuild it during COVID uh, coach Bizantz his first year. And uh, I always ask him, aren't you glad you took this job? He took it in February. So who knew this was going to happen? I always ask him, aren't you glad? And I can't say what he said. I can't repeat what he said. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge right now. I mean, I, I took over for coach Mertens. Coach Mertens had a great thing going. Um, last year, senior class here at Lake Zurich was just phenomenal. I mean, we've got uh, two kids um, at Northwestern off that class right now. We've got another kid playing division two football in Indianapolis we had a bunch more that could have gone and played um other places and just chose not to we had great great talent great talent that made the transition pretty good you know this year was not was going to be you know how do we how do we get better how do we grow how do we continue to implement the culture and the things that we want and it's just all been <laughs> it's all all been gone we've, we've, we've had a total we had one practice in the summer Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. We got one practice in the summer, which we got to do basically agilities. We didn't even have a football out there. And then we got shut down. And then we got in 14 contact out of the 20 contact days. So we've had 15 total practices um, since the season ended uh, last year. Um, so, you know, we've done a lot of stuff on Zoom, done a lot of stuff that way. Um, we've had, we've, we've luckily had some hybrid stuff going on here with our district so we've I've gotten face to face with kids um you know I've got some in uh in weight training that we get to work with a little bit but that's about to end too so you know we're kind of we're kind of just we're, we're doing the best we can to hang on and, and hoping to get to a season yeah we we got two and a half weeks this summer and it was no football no helmet it was body weight um and then we had some of our contact days. And then like the last week and a half, they said, nope, the numbers went up, you're done. Yeah. And 
they never it was funny I'm, it was funny it was on a friday they said stop so the next week we were waiting and i said hey did they say yes or no and he, or did they say no and he goes well they haven't said yes but they also haven't said no and i said so let's go and ask for forgiveness later <laughs> like let's just go out there but it, that didn't go very well it's yeah. uh especially for me I don't know these kids. It's my first year. I don't have a chance to do this, but um, Zoom's been a blessing for that. Yeah. I think that's the new normal is these virtual meetings. You're going to see more virtual coaches meetings, I think, more than ever. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that's really made me me think is, you know, do we need to, do we need to meet uh, as long as we meet on the weekends? Uh, do we need to do the late Monday nights? Um you know, that we did to prepare for games last year. Um, I know at, at the college level, I mean, we were seven days a week. So what we cut down to here for me, it was like, what, yeah, you mean there's actual football games on I can watch? I mean, I, I watched, I watched the NFL. I watched college. I watched all kinds of stuff that I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't seen in 20 years. I was, I coached college football for 20 years. I didn't see any of that stuff. Catch maybe a late night Saturday game, depending on when your game was. Catch maybe the Thursday night football game, you know, if your wife lets you. Usually that was date night, so you, you, you had to make sure you, you, you had date night going. So we had all this, we had all, I have all this free time, and then I'm looking at it going, shoot, with Zoom, we might be able to have even more free time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if you're one of those programs that comes in Saturday after a game to watch film with the kids, do a little lift, right? <clears throat> and then meet as a staff and kind of talk about what you got to get done over the weekend. And so that was kind of our schedule, right? So we did play Friday night, come in Saturday. Guys would uh, we would get a little bit of workout in. We would watch film with the with the players. Then they would go home. Coaches would stay for another hour or two, just kind of getting our stuff in order. Watch a little bit of film with the next opponent. Everybody's got their assignment, what they got to break down and go do. And then Sunday we were on our own. And then Monday we'd go out and run through a little bit of stuff that we kind of texted back and forth about. Um, but really, just basic. Go through all your base plays, offense, defense. You know, if there's any, if you're going playing a team that runs something funky, you might introduce it a little bit on that Monday, but a really quick, swift, you know, short, quick practice. And then Monday night, coaches, we'd, we'd order some food and we'd sit down and we kind of grind it out, finish up the game plan, and then hit the week. That's what we did. Looking at it now, I'm going, well, shoot. I think I still might want to bring the kids in Saturday, but I don't have to keep them very long. I want to get the workout in. We don't have to watch film. We could do that virtually. Right. We, we don't have to watch film in person on that. We could do that over Zoom. Um, so then it's like, well, you know, so we got that. And then I said, thinking, well, we don't have to meet as a staff either. Because we could do that over Zoom. We could, you know, zoom in, share screen, watch film, talk about it. Huddles, you know, got the huddle beta going right now where there where you can share screens and do that. I don't think you can talk yet, but they're working on basically turning huddle into Zoom and they'll eventually do that. So then you can do it straight through huddle. You won't even need to go the Zoom route. Um, so that just save you some time. But at the end of the day, too, and, and one, of the, one of the assistant coaches brought this up. He's like, you know, but there, there's something about sitting in, a, sitting in a room with some cheeseburgers or pizza and, you know, being together. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've got to find a balance between that when we're allowed to be together, be together. Uh, cut where you can. Don't do it just to do it. But you still got to gotta build those bonds those jokes, those, you know, just going off on tangents, those things that mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, that's what we said. We were like, well, we'll still bring the kids in on Saturday. 
But if we have to, let's say a coach can't come in on a Sunday for some reason or whatever it was, oh, we can just do Zoom. Like there's a backup now. It's not like, oh, you have to be there. Yeah. Now it's, okay, we can just do Zoom. What time works for everybody? And uh, I haven't tried the, the huddle beta yet. I saw it, but we haven't messed with it yet. Um, but it's crazy because when I started getting into coaching, that was the tail end of trading film. I remember I had to drive to trade film at the tail end. I, that was in 2009. So even then, like you were trading DVDs, like you had to go oh, yeah. and that's when two a days happen. There's no two a days anymore. These kids don't, they, they don't know what that is. <laughs> right. No, I, 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 I can't remember 2009, 2010. Uh, I, I remember we used to, we used to, when we were watch recruiting film, right. I mean, you used to have to grind to recruit, right. You were a good recruiter if you grinded, right. So you could, you could go into a, we found, we had got a quarterback to Minnesota state. His name was John Wolf. He played at Oak, Oak Forest high school on the South side there. And our phenomenal player, six, six, three, 225 pounds. He jumped over a standing DB um, as a quarterback for us. Just an unbelievable player. He had no offers from anywhere. Okay. He was a little skinnier, but coming out of high school, but that's what he grew to be. He grew to be a 6'3", 225 pound college quarterback that was a finalist for the uh, Division II Heisman, which is the Harlan Hill. Nobody recruited this kid. Why? Because nobody went into Oak Forest. Nobody got his DVD, watched him play uh, wishbone football, and say, hey, this kid could be great. But we used to sit in those rooms. I'd walk in with big old boxes full of tapes and DVDs, and we'd sit down, and you have to put a guy up. And if somebody didn't have – a lot of kids didn't have highlight tapes, so if you weren't prepared and knew exactly where the good place for this kid was – he got gonged off the screen and never heard from again. Then he could have been the greatest player ever. Um, when that huddle comes along and you don't have to, you don't have to grind anymore. You just pop open the, the video and you can recruit all across the country. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been crazy. It's been, it's, it's been weird to see the transition. So my first year coaching uh, was 2001, you know, so I, I, I've seen it kind of go all the way to what it is now out of that and then you know other people pretty well this podcast like well i remember when i had to actually splice tape and you know when i was a ga we i had a, I had a stack of vcrs because everything was on vhs so in order to make cut-ups you'd have to have a stack of vcrs and you'd have the wide film and the tight film and the wide film would go in the top vcr and the tight film would go in the second vcr and then you would have uh two more vcrs below that and you'd hit play pause record play pause record play, pause, record, play, pause, record. And then you would do that. And then if a coach said, I want to see every time they ran counter, you go through the cutups and you'd have to create that again in your stack of VCRs, play, pause, record, and create a VHS cutup tape, right? Which I would argue is harder than actually splicing the old eight millimeter tapes that the old, the old guys used to do. But at least there you could see where it ended and began and you didn't have to worry about pressing the right buttons, you know? But all that stuff's now just, they sort by this and huddle. You have nightmares over doing that VCR stuff still from doing that. I do. I do. I do. There's no VCRs allowed in my house at home at all. <laughs> they don't know what a VCR is. My parents still have them somewhere. They don't use them, but somewhere. And they don't know what it is. I, uh, um, I don't think they know what boom boxes are. Now that we're getting off topic, they don't even know what that is. They don't know what Walkmans are. They don't know what right. any of that is. Yeah. Like, cords on their headphones what's that <laughs> oh, 
I will say this. I, I love my Bluetooth, but like this, this has a wire, but like, they don't know what that is. They're just like, what does that mean? Like, I don't want right. the phone without the phone jack. I still need it at some point. I have to use it. See, I told you we get off topic and this is what happens. I see some shiny. I'm like, let's go down this rabbit hole and, and do this. And, <laughs> um, well, that's what's great about long form uh, stuff, right? You can just talk about what you want to talk about, how you want to talk about it, you know? You're not, you're not confined to the typical medium. That's what's awesome about podcasts. Yeah, and this is free therapy, I call it. I need to start charging people. It's free therapy during this <laughs> COVID time. Right. Um, so you've been around the block a little bit. So what is your coaching philosophy? Like, especially when you came to Lake Zurich, like when you came in, there was a culture, but each coach has their own culture, their own philosophy. So when you came in, you what what did you say? Like, this is what's going to happen. This, this is how I do things. This is how we're going to go about it. Yeah, you know, I think a typical like everybody else. You know, you want you, you want to teach life through the game. You know, all those kinds of things um, that that everybody talks about. And and I don't want to belittle that because that's 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 why we do what we do. Um, but how you do that is is more important than 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 doing it because there in, in my in my opinion there, there's people who say that but then don't actually do it and then there's people who don't say it at all and, and and might find a way to get there anyways so for me life is the most unpredictable unfair thing there is right i, I think we're living absolutely in the middle of that right now we have no idea what tomorrow is going to be, right? So, I'm I'm of the philosophy that that I'm going to I'm going to coach that way, meaning we have structure, we have an order of things, we have practice and all that, but we're gonna we're we're going to push the envelope of what they can handle mentally. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go with a fire hose approach, and it's going to be somewhat sink or swim, and what you'll find is. A lot of people are like, ah, you know, that's too much. You know, we're, we're giving them too much right now. How are they going to handle that? Well, what if life gives them too much? How are they going to handle that? I mean, they can't push pause on life, right? And any, any kid right now that's struggling with the e-learning, remote learning, bouncing in and out of hybrid, they can't reset the button on that video game. It's, it is what it is. So when, when, when I came in here and I got hired late May, so just – I didn't have a chance to teach the staff what we were going to do offensively. Luckily, we, we, we have a great tradition of defense here at uh, <clears throat> great, great tradition of defense here at uh, Lake Zurich. And, and those guys were able to keep rolling, but offensively um, I decided I was going to do that. Um, and I actually been a defensive coach most of my career, but I was going to do the offense and we went fire hose approach, man. We, we, we put in things that we, we felt like we might need and, and just, just, pushed them and pushed them and pushed them and what we found what, what I found was after about about a week and a half first week it looked bad I think it looked really bad like guys couldn't line up guys couldn't couldn't get in the three points they, they were so bad they couldn't remember how to get in the three-point stance I mean that's how confused they were. right but after about a week and a half all of a sudden we could do this and we could do that and things start rolling 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 and it just it just led me to to understand that I think we don't understand how pressure can create positive performance, right? So by pressuring guys to, to do more than they think they can do, by putting their feet to the fire, making them drink out of that fire hose, 
you're going to, you're going to progress much farther um, than you would normally. So from a coaching philosophy standpoint is I'm going to, I'm going to load them up on stuff and I'm going to push and I'm going to push, I'm going to push, especially mentally, not as much physically that they, they know how to go on the, a lot of kids can, they can lift weights, they can run, they can do those things though, you know, especially at Lake Zurich. I mean, that, that's not hard for us, you know, but mentally I want to challenge them. I want them to be uncomfortable so that, in a game when all of a sudden they're in a different defense than they were supposed to be, or all of a sudden there are offensive plays that we didn't practice, they can adapt and adjust because they understand everything conceptually. Yeah. Um, I think some people are afraid to do that. I think they're afraid to do too much or throw anything by the kitchen sink at kids. They think they need to do this, this, or this, but that's where football is going now. I think is some people are afraid to do that, but you make a good point is you can, I'll never forget, I was offense coordinator. We played a team. They were in a four-man front on the five films I had. We get there. They, they're in a three-five all of a sudden. And my kids' eyes went like this. They were just like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? We game plan for this. Now it's this. As a coach, I knew what to do. I knew I could come over there and talk to them, but they didn't know. They were like, oh, my goodness, this, this, or this. And it was because we didn't give them enough to be prepared for and they panicked and this and that. So I think you need to find that balance of, is it too much or whatever, like you said, like, but they have to know that's what life is. This COVID thing, we're all under pressure, I think this year for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we just, you know, we just keep, we just keep pushing. You know, I think you've got to push kids. There's too many things in life right now that there's an easy way out, right? You talk about the video game, they can hit reset. Um, you know, I think you've got uh, you got some some parents that that don't don't you know don't have the accountability. We're kind of as football coaches, I feel like, and, and other sports as well. But but I, I'm a football coach, so I'll talk about it from a football perspective. We're one of the last things in society that can still apply pressure, um, create uncomfortable environments where they have nowhere to hide from them. Right. The only way to hide from those environments is to quit. Right. Which they obviously can do, but what you'll find is kids need that structure, want that, um, that, that they want to be pushed. They want to be challenged. They, they may think they want it easy, but they really don't, you know, human nature, we tend to go that way, but your true competitor, your true, uh, you know, kids, they, they want, they want to be coached, you know, and we used to help support what society was doing for, for everybody with football, right. They were getting it at home. They were told to, you know, you know, do, do things right, be accountable at home. They, 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 if they had a job, they were held accountable at their job. They were held accountable in the classroom. They were held accountable walking down the street in, in their hometown, right? And then football just reinforced that. We've kind of shifted a little bit in society now where football is one of the few things that has the, the, the strict requirements of accountability and being on time and, be, and, and, and being a, a, putting a teammate above yourself and doing those things. Sports are kind of the last bastion for that. And, and I don't, I don't want us to lose that. So I want to make sure that we are still instilling those traits into, into, into young people and you could do it physically. Right. But kids right now really can handle being challenged mentally and stress is stress. Right. So if you want to run the hundred hundreds, you're going to stress the kids out fine. But if you, right and and, and that, that, that that's your prerogative I don't think they need the physical stress I think the, the mental stress is just as it can help build that resilience that accountability and proof that they can overcome adversity 
just as much as physical uh, stress can. Yeah, um, I think that's why sports matter. Like I was thinking about that before. I think that's what sports are really good thing. Education's a really good thing to to try to do that because life's not going to be fair um, and all that stuff. So it's that coaches can do that. But without it right now, it's going to, I'm scared what these kids are going to be like without that stuff going on right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you said you went to D for offense. So are you the offensive coordinator at Lake Zurich too, or are you just the CEO? Yeah. yeah. So I, I call plays on offense and kind of handle that, that's st- that ended. So from being a defense for so long, how did that help you maybe go about going on offense? Well, I, I obviously have a pretty good perspective of what teams are trying to do and, and how they're lining up and, and what conflicts are created based on coverages and fronts and different things that they do. Um, my five years at Elmhurst, I, I was I was basically like the CEO. I had an offensive coordinator. I had a defensive coordinator. So I helped game plan both sides of the ball um, and brought my perspective either way. I brought to my to the defensive staff, I brought my experience running defenses, doing different things different uh, offenses we had seen because when I had come from at Minnesota state, we were seeing a, it's like anything, right? Division one does this division two does this division three does this. Eventually it all gets down there to high school. Right. <clears throat> so when I took the job at, um, uh, at Elmhurst, the RPO stuff, some of the zone read, all that stuff was really starting to, to become everything mm-hmm. that it is now. But we had seen a lot of that stuff at, at, at Minnesota State. So I was able to give that perspective to um, to our defense, say, well, here's how we defended it. Here's certain things you can do um, and help there. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I was able to say, like, well, I understand you want to line up in this formation and shift to this formation. But I'm telling you right now, from a defensive perspective, that doesn't change any of my rules. But if you lined up in this formation and shifted to this formation or motion here, now I got I to gotta flip this and flip that. And you know, so those kind of things where I was able to do. So coming here and doing the offense, I've kind of taken all that learning and knowledge and said, okay, what did I not like to defend? Well, I didn't like to defend this. And, and I, you know, or this plays only hard if you have this play as a compliment, uh, those kinds of things that we, we've tried to build our offense around here at Lake Zurich. So I know you, I got to wrap this up shortly because I know you got important parent teacher conferences for PE to do. Yeah, we got, we got those, we got those coming up here. Um, so what do you guys do defensively and offensively up at Lake Zurich since you've shown up? Yeah. So defense, um, they've been a, a stack defense for a while. Um, so we're continuing to do that. I've actually, I actually was a stack defensive coordinator when I was at Manchester. That was back when it was basically Manchester, West Virginia, uh, Mississippi state, uh, Georgia Military Academy, those were the people who were kind of running the stack back then in the, in the early 2000s. Um, so I had experience with that. We were a hybrid stack at, uh, at Elmhurst um, as well. So I was pretty comfortable coming here, and, and they were a stack, and they've been a stack for a while. And everybody runs a stack a little bit differently, uh, but they're, they're a stack defense. So that, that stayed uh, pretty true. Um, we've, we've adjusted a couple things uh, that – but, but mostly that's, that's the defense it's always been. And then offensively, we're, we're an 11 personnel uh, zone team. Uh, I, I, I power spread. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we get into, we get into 
a lot of 11 personnel sets, you know, your three by one with a, we use our tight ends as wings. So off the ball, H back type type players. And we run zone and we run, uh, we run counter and uh, uh, we throw three step and throw some play action and, and do some of that stuff. Sounds like a work. I'm the run game coordinator. So that's what we're going to do. I said H backs and wings, H backs and wings. So we can start doing other stuff. Um, so who, who do you look at when you're doing offense? Like who coaches do you research or reach out to when you want to implement? Like, I love air rate concepts. Don't get me started. I love looking at that stuff. Sure. But I love Auburn stuff too. And you're looking at the run game, if that makes sense, trying to incorporate yeah. it all together. Um, I, I, I listen to, I, I, I'll learn anything from anybody. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know all the answers. Um, and the answers I do know might not be right. So <laughs> um, I'll, I'll learn from anybody and anybody. Uh, this offseason, I wasn't really happy with last year. I didn't really care for our passing game. Uh, stumbled on uh, Coach Mackey on YouTube. Um, he does some great stuff. Uh, just just listening to it. Now, do, do I, do I want to run all that stuff? No. Do, do I want to call it the same things that he calls it? No. But there's some things in there that that fit what we do, and we can we can adjust a little bit and and do that. So I found him, which then he he, he led me to other people. Like I, his, if, if you haven't found, saw his YouTube video where he's talking with Noel Mazzoni, he does two of them. Him with Noel Mazzoni was was just awesome. And there's a lot of stuff that we can't do. We just don't just doesn't fit us. But just just watching it and learning just football. That was, mm-hmm. that was really good. Those were two really good. Those were two really good videos. I saw one of them live, uh, just happened to, it was during the pandemic, just happened to be messing around and think my kids were doing e-learning and I, I didn't have a class and came across that. And that was, that was really awesome. So, you know, I, I went through that, um, go to, uh, I went to the Glazer clinics this year. Um, always good stuff there. Uh, tons of things to be shared. It's just everywhere, you know, sitting in the lot and, in the, in, you know, talking with guys. I have, I have plenty of contacts still in college. A lot of my coaching friends are still college football coaches. Uh, I have more probably college contacts than I have high school. Uh, so I, I reach out to them with questions. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody. everybody some, everybody's got something. Everybody's got something. Yeah, I've been watching Coach Mackey's videos for a while, and I had him on the podcast too. He and I have talked way before, and then I started the podcast. I got him on finally. Um, great stuff on there. It's very simple. Um, and that um, one you were talking about, you watched live. I was watching it live too, I think. I think I was sitting there watching it. I get in trouble at school. He does the Facebook live stuff, and I'm at school like, I'm going to watch this, and hopefully yeah. nobody walks by. All right. Um, and then the summer, another good guy to look at was uh, – coach Dearman at Kansas he has some I know Kansas is struggling but his offense is he was averaging 50 points a game at uh, Bethel I think he was yeah and, and that's the thing too like you know some guys guys know how to coach you know mm-hmm. guys know what to do and just because you know they're a they're a 1A high school team or an 0 and 10 FBS team doesn't mean they don't have good stuff doesn't mean they have good schemes they just might not have the guys to execute it or you know like I said you know like we talked about earlier there's some things you just can't control and mm-hmm. it just doesn't it doesn't go so yeah, you could find something from everywhere you know twitter's awesome I, I i must dm myself two to three things from twitter every day just <laughs> and i couldn't even tell you who i follow i i just i just somebody i might be following someone who retweets it or says hey look at this cool way to run counter and I'm like that is a really cool way to run counter i don't know what to call it in my system 
but I'm going to send it to myself and I'm going to watch that thing and come back to it. And I just try and build a library of stuff. Um, you know, that just, just learn, just, you know, I love football. So anything I can, anything I can collect, I try and collect it. Yeah. Uh, Twitter can be very good or very dangerous. You can get too much. You can almost be overloaded. Like, Oh, look at this. Look at this. Oh, look at this. And then it's like yeah. oh, my battery died. I've been on my phone too long. Right. Right. Um, but it's also a great, re- I would never have got you on here if I didn't have Twitter. I was not like, I just reached out and, and yeah. all that. So it could be really good. And, um, so that's all I have for you coach, but I really appreciate you. Like Twitter was just a great thing to do this. Like I appreciate you spending your time doing this. No, I love, I love talking about the game. I love talking about how can we, um, you know, help our kids, you know, and, and you know, I appreciate you doing this. I've, I've listened to a few episodes um, and they're, they're, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's good. Us sharing is probably the one last sports that shares too. You know, football coaches mm-hmm. share. You know, it's never been a, never been one of those things where everybody hides everything. But it's, we all want, we all want's best for our kids. So I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for having me on. Um, keep, keep up, keep fighting the good fight. And um, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. Well, I appreciate it. This is just a seat of my pants podcast. It was just, I, I originally wanted to do it to be like an ESPN thing, and then COVID happened, no sports. And then I said, let's talk to some coaches. We need some therapy. So let's just, let's just go. And um, this gives, and, I, and this is my last rant. It gives coaches platforms. I think like, I never thought I would do this. Other coaches probably never thought they would talk on a podcast. So some coaches I've had are like, Oh my gosh, I've never done this before. And I'm like, I'm helping them get their voice out. Even if it's just talking about themselves, it's their voice that's getting out. And yeah. so that's why I, I've upgraded the microphone and stuff to help people out. I'm like, Hey, let's just, let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. It's good, good, good stuff. Well, hopefully when we get a chance to, to interact and stuff, we get to cross paths. We can sit down and talk some X's and O's and, and do some of that stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you for doing this. Anybody out there that's listening. Thank you so much. Stay safe so we can get back to normal and get a life back. Um, and I'll see you guys next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.